You're now listening to The Electrical Current, a podcast series brought to you by the independent electrical contractors. Welcome to the second season of the IEC National Podcast Series, The Electrical Current. I'm your host for this show, IEC National CEO, Spencer Vilwalk. During this podcast series, we'll talk with folks throughout America that helped to make the electrical and systems contracting industry truly great. Today, our featured guest is Joel Smith, Director of Contractor Development of the IEC National Gold Partner, Greenlee Emerson. Joel's worked with some of the leading electrical and systems contractors over throughout America over the last number of years. I'm looking forward to our conversation today, and Joel would like to officially welcome you to IEC National Podcast, The Electrical Current. Spencer, thanks for having me. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, one brief note is my title's changed to the Director of Strategic Contractor Relations. The Director of Strategic Contractor Relations. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Well, congratulations must be in order since last time we connected. So good. Good. Yeah, uh, you know, as you're aware, we were acquired by Emerson. It'll be two years in July. So yep. uh, it's nice being part of Emerson Professional Tools, which we have responsibility for Ruby Tools and Greenly Tools. And uh, so far, it's been terrific. Terrific. Excellent. Excellent. Well, good. Well, well, let's let's start off a little bit uh, way back, Joel, and, and uh, help to lead us up to where you're at now. But let's start off with that, that fundamental piece of uh, tell us about where you grew up and, and kind of the pathway that you saw yourself on leading uh, up to uh, where you sit today. Well, you know, as you reflect on that, you look back and you, and you put it down on paper, you say, wow, a lot's going on. So right, right. I was born outside of Boston. I uh-huh. grew up in uh I had the the luxury of living with multiple families at a young age. So mm-hmm. I grew up in Providence and Boston and Montreal and wow. I gone to Maine and uh, had a really diverse uh, childhood, which was really good. I had my first job at seven years old. I was sweeping sidewalk. How's that right? I remember that it was, uh, I made 35 cents and I got a seven ounce bottle of Coke. So Nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my first job. Which I, terrific. I kind of indicated to my kids when they were growing up and uh, we're really good. Um, attended Bryant College outside of Smithville, Rhode Island. Met my mm-hmm. first wife there mm-hmm. at 18. We went on, got married for 29 years. And at some point we decided that we were better off friends. So I got divorced and still really good friends at this time. Yep. I've got two, uh, two kids, a son and a daughter. I'm really proud of my son. As most... Uh, Teenagers, they tell you they're going to be millionaires at 25. And yeah. On his 25th birthday, I asked him how the millionaire project was going. He says, I'm going to run a little behind. And at 29, he called me and said, uh, I just resigned and I'm not going to work anymore. So Wow. No yeah. kidding. No kidding. Uh, yeah, so he's 36 now and uh, has had seven years of great uh, uh, life as uh, as doing whatever he wants and has that mm. financial freedom. My daughter had a full scholarship to uh, Fresno, Cal State, and mm. equestrian scholarship, and I'm really proud of her. She was an Olympic prospect until she had an injury, but mm. is a hairstylist and she's been on the NBC Today show. So no I've got two huh. that I'm really proud of. That's terrific. And moved into the sporting goods industry at a young age. I uh, started mm-hmm. with Division Sarah Lee, um, Haynes Sportswear champion, 
a lot of negotiations with Major League Baseball, the NFL, on some deals. I spent 18 years there until my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. Stepped back and reevaluated life and uh, Mm. started a limousine business in Manhattan and New England and eventually built that up and sold it off. And then was uh, invited to a barbecue in in Providence where Textron was headquartered. Mm -hmm. Ran into a couple of guys there and lo and behold, six months later, I was working for Textron, Greenlee Division. Yeah. Uh, started as a territory manager in, in New England and was salesman of the year the first year hmm. to take over the West Coast. Uh, did the same thing out there, was region of the year the first year. And 18 years later, um, wanted to look for something different. And the president of Greenland said, why are we so successful on the West Coast? And I said, it's because I know the contractors, right. Right? Right. Our, real, our real end users, the mm-hmm. guys from IUC. Yeah, the independent electrical contractors that make up the trades. Right. And, um, I uh, assigned my own title mm-hmm. and it was director of contractor relations. Yep. And uh, the goal was to, to learn the top 200 contracts in the United States, and I, I did that and developed relationships, mostly because um, a lot of these guys were the same age as me. We had a lot in common. Right. Right. And. Um, so for the past six years, I've been looking at a lot of prefab shops and seeing what we can do to really change the workflow, increase productivity, and uh, the industry changing. And we as a company recognize that. I uh, really am the voice of the customer for developing the two new tools. In addition to that, I started another program, which was the uh, Professional Tools Specialist. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have nearly 20 of those across the U.S. and Canada. They're the ex-trades people put 20 years into the job, don't want to put the belt on anymore, but actually go out and do training and promote new tools and do uh, safety training. Gotcha. You know, and they have the real, the entree and the credibility because they've done the job before. When these aren't younger kids that we give three months training and say, go out and tell guy in the field 30 years what he, how to do his job. Right, right. So some of these guys are ex-military electricians off nuclear submarines and in the aircraft carriers, they have the credibility, they know what's going on. So that's what I do at Greenly right now. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. What, what, and and what, a, what a great story um, um, throughout, too, is you know, having that. Uh, I, I can hear the Boston now in there, too. So, uh, <laughs> and, and so grew up, grew up in the New England area, a uh, lot of opportunities there. You said a you know, diverse background, jumped up even into Canada, it sounded like, too, for a, a short time. Um, up that way, is that right? You lived in uh, in Canada. I lived in ten or eleven years old, so I wow. remember that. Didn't, didn't learn French that well, yeah. but uh, learned Spanish over living in Southern California. Yeah, but uh, I, didn't, I thought I lost my accent. To be honest with you, I didn't think I still had it. I've been out yeah. here yeah. twenty five. Uh, it's 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 distinctly still Bostonian in there. I can I can hear it, but you know, <laughs> we'll we'll see if other IEC folks out there there hear it as well. But it's it's uh, it's it's great. And so and and then yeah, you, you've you've had uh, um, you know a lot of a lot of interesting uh, challenges as as well as a lot of interesting opportunities, and um, you know going through professional sports and and. Uh, and, and helping to be a rep that way. Um, some great success stories you shared with uh, with your, your your retired son too, and and uh, very amazing and, and talented daughter. Um, and then then yeah, connecting up with with Textron and and uh, really setting forth through things. And so hey, you said six years on, and and have you been in California 
uh, since that time? Or when, when did you make the move out to California? I moved out here in 1996. It was okay. the second, second year I was with Greenlight. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and, and yeah, I'm interested to learn a little bit, uh, too. You, you mentioned um, when you're working with contractors and, and you mentioned um, some of the looking at the prefab and and uh, sounds like you really work to develop that relationship to take a look at, you know, operational enhancements and things like that. Is, is that right? Well, you know, when you look at the industry, I'm, I'm deeply involved with a lot of trade organizations. Mm-hmm. When you look at the state of the uh, the construction industry, it's really for, for decades it was design, bid, build, mm-hmm. and what you're seeing now is design, manufacture, construct. Yes. You know, they're they're taking the entire bid process out of it. The general or the building owner wants to know who they're building, who they're using. They want to know that they use planning. They want to know that they use prefab. That they use BIM and AI. In some instances, we see all types of of you know disruptors within the industry, whether robotics or or lean or prefab mm-hmm. or BIM, 3D printing, all of the above. The, these things are really what the, the next five years is going to do to, to really have a confluence of disruptors in the industry. And there are going to be a, there are a lot of people that are embracing this right now. And, for decades, I remember in New England when a guy would build a, pro- a bit of project and he bid, bid it at 26 points margin, they'd have problems managing labor and they only made 13 and they were just dis- dis- disappointed. Yeah, uh, we only made 13 points on the job. Now they're building bidding jobs at 10 to 12. They have labor issues and they lose money on a job. I run into a contract that said I lost five million dollars on that project. I yeah. said, "What are you going to do?" He goes. I can eat that one, but I can't eat another one. Can't eat so, another one. Yeah. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. easy to go out of business today, and and we see a, we see you know electrical construction is the second highest fault rate next to restaurants in the United States. So mm-hmm. the industry has to change, and and you know you see design DFMA where they're designing for manufacturing and assembly, and this is all about increasing productivity. We yeah. know that is the in the skilled labor shortage and you know the the numbers vary across the country but it's it's a half a million electricians and yeah. we haven't heard anything about this ongoing pandemic but this is driving a lot of changes within contracting right now that, yep. and the good thing is that uh, i'm hearing from a lot of contractors across the country they're getting calls from people that have lost their jobs that have come that want to come back to the electrical trade right i mean think about this you know electrical construction didn't it, it had a minor shutdown, but yep. it, it shut off fast, but it came back really fast. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. And, and I tell you people now, if you want a job and always have a job, you know, get into the trades, get mm-hmm. into be an electrician because there's such a shortage right now. And we're, we're looking to address that labor shortage as Emerson has written and Greenlight. Yep. Yep. Well, well, that that's a, that's a great question, and and yeah, most definitely, I, I I agree with you wholeheartedly that that um, I mean, yeah, there there's been a tremendous labor shortage um, that we've seen in, in the industry um, for a, a long while, um, building up to uh, the current uh, COVID situation that we've been in for uh, the last uh, small handful of months. And, and yet, you know, we have been considered part of the essential workforce and, and uh, been out there. And and then a lot of folks are, are you know, we continue on that path of, of needing skilled labor uh, and, and highly skilled folks to be able to then enter the industry so we can continue to then, uh, meet and perform uh, the, the um, exciting projects that are out there. Um, 
You you mentioned Joel. Uh, the you said that the industry has to change um, as we're talking about some of the disruption and and uh, some of that that path of, of you mentioned design manufacture construct um, piece. Um, I'm I'm curious if, yeah if you could expound a, a little bit if we could unpack the you know how can the industry best uh, change um, what what does that uh, what does that look like um, from your your perspective. Well, we recognized about 14 years ago that prefabrication was the future. I would see it in, uh, you know, in other countries. The some people have seen that the building in China, the 34 stories they put it right. up in 28 days. Right. People say, well, how do they do this? Well, you know, we work with companies here. As an example, Marriott Corporation, they're going to modular, so they build the entire hotel room in Poland or in or in the, in Asia and they ship the entire the whole pod the whole room over here and they, they've recently constructed a 30-story hotel in Brooklyn and they did it in 45 days and everything's in the room except for the sheets and the pillows and yeah. it's, it's plug and play and this is what the industry is going to do and yeah. the reason it is is because not that U.S. contractors want to do this it's because that is the competitor. That's mm-hmm. that's how they they maintain costs. That's how they, you know, the offsite automation and the assembly on site. It's it certainly will improve productivity, safety, and quality, and that's what it's all about. Gotcha, gotcha. Interesting. So yeah, it's kind of that um, <clears throat> that that paradigm shift um, from from looking at construction projects to construction products, if you will. Um, and, and kind of that that uh, the lilt in vernacular, but also the lilt in, in how things are produced there, is what you're alluding to. Yeah. You know, there's a study that said, that, you know, a, an electrician that's on the job for eight hours, only he only actually installs product for three hours. The other five hours, he's either looking for tools, looking for material, mm. or 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 not we're not working at all mm-hmm. so i mean if you had somebody in your, in your office that only worked three hours a day i'm not so sure you'd keep them yeah yeah <laughs> yeah good great point great point so yeah increase of productivity um yeah which which then helps to then uh, um, secure more more competitiveness and more success uh, in the market as well so it's, it's, it's very interesting very interesting what's going on out there within this this paradigm isn't it? being driven by Brem and 3D design. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the clash on job site because the, the design was faulty and then it has to go back to engineering and, arch- and, and the engineering. Uh, this is what causes delays on the job site. And it's all about time is money. You know, you have a hotel that's going up for every day that the hotel's not open. It's a half a million dollars. And you get a month out, they're $15 million behind already. So, right. Right. you know, the... The, the drive to get a job done on time and on budget is more important than ever before. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, let, let's uh, let's shift gears a little bit um, and let's talk about safety. Um, and I know that uh, you know safety is, is a huge focal point uh, of our. 2,500 uh, IEC contractors uh, across the country, um, and we're, we're completely dedicated uh, and committed to the highest standards of safe workplace practices um, throughout the industry. Um, I know this is also a great area of, of focus um, for you and, and for uh, for Emerson Greenlee as well. Um, can you share a little bit about um, you know any innovations or, or uh, innovative approaches uh, to safety that uh, IEC contractors might gain benefit from knowing more about? Well. 
uh, you know, safety has always been important, both as under Textron and under uh, Emerson. I'm really impressed with the uh, the safety uh, objective within Emerson. I, I, you know, the TRR are less than a half a percent, which is truly that's world class, and that's how they. And that's how we run our our factories and our plants and our offices and even the people in the field. Um, we're we're safe every day. And it's the same thing about our professionals that we work with in the field. Our contract, we want to make sure that everybody's going home safe every night to their families and employees and our end users and everything in between. So we we meet critical safety standards. And you know, about six years ago. Uh, Green the hired the first agronomist in the industry, and we took the uh, the approach of how do people use tools and, mm. and the right design for tool. Is it balanced? Is it is it designed so that they don't have to reach so far? Are they making sure that they don't have carpet cleaners? So that's what we've done, and, and that's what we're doing to keep innovating products that help the professional on the job like from injury injury. And it really goes back to repetitive wear and tear on the human body. If it can result in carpal tunnel and other painful industries, you know, the, the guy, well, I mentioned the professional tool specialist, you know, these guys that I hired, they're, they're in their mid forties and their bodies are worn out. They just said, you know, I don't want to be limited by my physical impairments. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to work with my grandkids, you know? So, right. Some of them have said, you know what, I want to be the guy on the greening truck showing tools and not going to the job site every day. You can't blame them. But yeah. uh, Greenlee's taken an innovative approach coming out with insulated tool. Uh, we just came out with the first industry uh, battery tool that's hydraulically insulated up to a thousand volts. So now people can use a battery operated tool and not that they would intentionally cut live cables. But in fact, if they did or they grounded or they had arc flash, mm-hmm. this tool would in, insulated to a thousand volts. Hmm. And that goes a long way because up till now, there hasn't been anything like that. So it's really taking innovative steps like that. Um, the, the other thing is last week, we uh, just came out with the first remote tool within the company that you can actually put on a cable and get outside of a manhole or a vault and have a pendant, a wireless pendant, mm-hmm. and make the cut while being disassociated with, with the actual or, or in, the, in proximity of the cut. And it's things like this that make hmm. utility, utility work and medium voltage work are much safer for the people in the field. That's great. That's, that's, that's great. Yeah, you know, uh, innovating uh, and, and yeah, maintaining safety um, with, with the innovation, the technology, that, that's at our fingertips and, and having it directly applicable um, to those in the field. That's, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Um, Joel, I'm, I'm curious, you know, we're, we've been going through this, this global pandemic and, and, um, you know, I think that everybody is, is clamoring to try to figure out what does the future look like? Um, you know, what, what, what happens Q3, Q4 this year, um, and, and into the winter months ahead. Um, curious if you have any, any insights, uh, on, you know, how, how you're seeing things or, or, um, you know, where, where you see things headed, uh, towards the end of this year and into the first part of 2021. You know, that's my crystal ball has three holes in it. And two <laughs> so, uh, yours and, and, yours and mine, too. You, right? but, uh, you know, it's interesting, Spencer, because I'm on the phone every day with contractors yep. across the country getting yep. their insight. And 
And just as it shut off really quick, it turned on really quickly. And we're seeing that with this pent up demand. You know, there's a couple things that we see from a manufacturer's perspective. Uh, our guys are out every day on job sites recently as, as, as being the solution providers in there. And I'm making sure that they all have the proper PE. Did they have yep. the face? Did they have the disinfectants? When you hand the person a tool and they hand it back to you, are we making sure that it's that it's that it's safe? Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as the rest of the year, up until maybe a week or two ago, I thought we were getting out of this. But as we see the spikes and we see uh, the increased um, cases and the younger people that are out there going to bars i'm not so sure so i think mm. we are not going to see it go back to business as usual there mm-hmm. is no business as usual business right. will be as we see it going forward yeah it will be safe uh, it will be completely different there'll be social distancing what we do see is more tools on the job site and this has mm. been in conversations i've had with contractors they say it's much easier and much more affordable to put more tools on the job so that there's less sharing Interesting. in social distancing than be the, the subcontractor that was responsible for shutting down the job. Right, right. So, you know, in addition to that, you heard me talk about, you know, the offsite and externalization of work prefab. Mm-hmm. I have the, most of the contractors I'm speaking to now saying that they're running double shifts mm-hmm. in their prefab shops. And the reason being is because the journeymen, the apprentices working in these prefab shops, they want to know who they're working side by side with. They want to know who's in that shop every day. They right. can maintain social distancing. They're not walking on a job site with another trade that they don't know who the guy is, where he went last weekend. And uh, it just seems like, uh, as we talked about hmm. the uh, prefab in the past and the, you know, whether it's a 10, 20, 30% objective as far yeah. as material. It's being embraced a lot more frequently now, and uh, and I think that's what's going to be going forward. I, and yep. As much as people talk about it now, they're really going to embrace it and see what they can do to uh, to improve the productivity in in the safety of their of their employees. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I think yeah, great point. That and and yeah, it, business has changed, and the way that we do things has changed, uh, and the way that we've engaged and it has completely changed. And so I think it's yeah, I think you're right. Even even when when we have a uh, a, a cure, if you will, for for this uh, this malady, this this terrible disease, then um, it, it will continue to be a, a fabric of who we are moving forward and, and uh, taking safety and precaution. Um, that's an interesting point that you, that you make too about um, you know the, the increase of more tools on the site than to limit uh, the sharing aspects. Um, that's yeah, that I think that's a rather poignant uh, piece too. So um, and and don't we all wish that that we uh, were able to fast forward and look back uh, as to what happened uh, through this period of time and, and the years ahead. Uh, but we'll we'll be here to live through it and and I think that yeah things will will. Uh, uh, continue to thrive, but thrive in, in a little bit of a different fashion. Yeah, more uh, double shifts, as you, as you mentioned, uh, more precautions and uh, more practices uh, that are out there that, that we will evolve into. Yeah, uh, no question. It's uh, exciting times. Yeah. And the uh, industry's changing, and it's going to be interesting to look back in five years and see uh, how relevant the conversation we had today. You bet. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, Joel, too, that... Um, is there is there one piece of advice that you picked up along uh, your career path? Maybe somebody 
said something to you or, or a book that you read, um, something that's, that's kind of your, your motto or your mantra um, that, that really has, has, was one of those moments that you had to stop in your shoes and it really then kind of shifted your perspective on things. I'm curious if there, you've had a, an experience like that in your life that you could share a little bit about. Uh, you know, you caught me a little bit off guard on this yeah. one. Right? I got yeah. to tell you that uh, if I had to think of one thing that I use in my personal professional life, it's yeah. uh, if you're 15 minutes early, you're on time. Yep. If you're on time, you're late. Yep. And if you're late, you're in big trouble. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, good, 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 good. And uh, tell us a little bit, of, uh, what do you do for fun, Joel? Um, boy, that, that list is pretty extensive. But, uh, <laughs> uh, I actually ride Harley Davidson with my daughter. Nice. And, and, and contractors. Yep. And, uh, and I'm an avid fisherman and uh, do a lot of boating and uh, do a lot of bike riding and stay active and try to uh, – try to stay in the best shape and health that I can. Yep. Amen. Well, we're all, we're all on borrowed time and we got to maintain uh, what we've been given and what we've been gifted. Um, and so, yeah, and, and enjoy it each step of the way because you never know. Exactly. You never know. Well, well, Joel, I want to thank you so much um, for taking time to share a bit of your story with us and share some great insights. Um, we're back with the IEC community. Um, very, very insightful and uh, very inspiring. Thank you. Well, thanks for having us today. Thanks for having me. It was uh, great representing Emerson Professional Tools. Uh, I found it, uh, I, I enjoyed this, and maybe we'll do it again sometime in the future. That would be great. That would be great. Thank you. And thanks to all of our listeners out there. This has been another installment in the second season of the IEC podcast series, The Electrical Current. You can check us out over at ieci.org. And if you're interested in career opportunities within the electrical and systems industry, jump over to myelectriccareer.com. That's myelectriccareer.com to learn more and start on your path to achieve your dreams.